We are like cutting off entire parts of what love means. The queer representation that's been important to me has been like porn. If you're gonna force me to think about sexuality, I'm gonna be as sexy as I can be. Humans have been doing the sex for a very long time. It's also loads of fun. Because of that, sex has been a prominent feature of our art and culture for as long as we've existed. Even cavemen mashed up insects and used their guts to paint stick figures pounding it on cave walls. It's in our books, our films, our TV. But when it comes to video games, despite their engorged abundance, they don't really get talked about an awful lot outside of prudish dismissal and, in recent times, their suitability on certain platforms. I think sex games are really interesting, both in the way that they work and in what they have to say. I'm Astrid Johnson, and I've talked to some of the biggest sex game creators about why they make sex games, what their audiences are like, and the innovation in mechanics and storytelling that the rest of the industry could learn from, if they care to listen. I'll also explore what makes a good sex game over a bad one, and look into the link between sex games and queer representation. My name is Robert Yang, and I am a game designer and developer, and I'm also an arts professor at New York University. Robert Yang has become somewhat of a cult figure in recent years. He's perhaps best known for his games that explore gay sexuality, like Rinse and Repeat, where you scrub an attractive man's back for him, and The Tea Room, where you pleasure veiny textured handguns and assault rifles in a public toilet while evading the police. He's also known for his difficult relationship with Twitch. All of Yang's games to date have been banned from the streaming platform. It's just kind of disturbing how easily a lot of people go with it. Like, oh yeah, Twitch is a private company, so they get to do whatever they want. But it's also a private company with a near monopoly on video game culture and how video games are consumed. Yang's been playing video games for most of his life, and like many developers I've spoken to in the past, he found himself inspired to go into game design thanks to map editors. When I was playing StarCraft, I noticed there was a button in the StarCraft menu to uh, open the map editor. The idea that I could use the same tools as the game designers helped me think, wait, could I be better than them? I mean, I wasn't better than them, but but still, it's kind of, you know, the initial spark that makes you realize, wait, I could do this too. Growing up, he felt like there weren't really any games that explored gayness. That's what led him to making the queer sex games he makes today, as well as a desire to see a more mature games industry. When I was playing a lot of games, I noticed that there weren't many games that were seemed to be like be geared for gay people or assuming a gay player or gay audience. So while I was making games, I started thinking like, what if I made the game that like I never had growing up? I think sex games prompt a, are a lot of interesting questions for games as a whole. I asked Yang about his audience, as it turns out from what he can see, around 50% of them are homophobic. They actually play my games to like perform homophobia. So uh, there are a lot of YouTubers who play my games and earn ad revenue off of me while saying gay sex is disgusting. Look at how disgusting and deviant these gay people are and so on. So that's part of the audience that I actually don't want. I wish I could get rid of that part of the audience. This informs the way he goes about designing his games in a very interesting way. Hurt Me Plenty, a spanking and consent simulator, actually locks you out of the game for a period of time if you violate your submissive safe word. Not only does it punish those who might use Yang's game for nefarious means, but it also acts as an incredibly interesting way of making consent a part of the game, an innovation in design that I don't think could have been explored outside of a sex game. 
I'm Christine Love, and I've made visual novels in the past. I'm working on an RPG right now. Just lots of narrative stuff. Christine Love, like Robert Yang, is quite well known, most notably for Lady Killer in a Bind, a visual novel that explores sex and BDSM, set on the backdrop of a dramatic social engineering game, a plot to destroy capitalism, and a cruise ship. There's a lot of kinky queer sex in Lady Killer, and Love made sure consent as a mechanic was also part of her game. If you're not meeting the player on a level they're comfortable with, they're not going to follow you. When you're making explicitly kinky games about romance, if you're not coming at this from an angle of consent, it's hard to work with. It's hard to make that, you know, like actually feel appealing and not just be like really uncomfortable. Lady Killer also features a really interesting dialogue system. Certain options in conversations are taken away if the talk moves on or a new piece of information comes to light. These dialogue options also carry over into the sexual encounters, making you an active participant in the sex and giving you a strong sense of agency over the dynamics of the sexual relationship. So you want to feel like you are taking an active participatory role, like that what you're doing actually matters, that you're contributing in a sex game, in a romance game at all. It's always about that back and forth. This heavy focus on ensuring an active role can also be quite the educational experience when it comes to understanding how BDSM relationships actually function in real life too. We wanted to show how even being submissive is still like uh, something that you're participating in and you're still making choices. And part of what our dialogue system was actually really good at was we let silence be like really deliberate. If you're not doing something, that's a very deliberate action you're taking. We want it to be, if you're being quiet, that's something you chose to do. If you're being bratty, that's something you chose to do. If, if you're pushing back just a little because you want the pushback in the other direction, that, that's a deliberate thing you can do. We wanted it to feel like at every step of the way, you're either engaging or choosing not to engage. Lady Killer in a Bind plays a lot with gender and expression. Beyond the main character cross-dressing as her twin brother to blend in on the cruise ship where the game takes place, another character you speak to cross-dresses too. Love is a trans woman, and her next game, a gay, road-tripping, turn-based combat dialogue game called Get in the Car Loser, features a character that uses they-them pronouns. There's another game by another developer though that puts trans women at the forefront of the experience, and it's very, very sexy. I'm Kenzie Stargrifter, and I make Hardcoded with my friend Trix. Hardcoded, which you can find my thoughts on in the description, blew up a bit on Twitter and has a very successful Patreon. It's a visual novel about cyberpunk trans girls who f**k a lot, and Kenzie Stargrifter is part of the team making it happen. It was honestly kind of shocking. Like when I when I started out, I like I, I kind of like wasn't planning on appealing to a trans audience. I like really did not know that there was going to be this much of a like actual trans scene for this, and I'm like really excited that there is. <laughs> Stargrifter got into making games because it felt like the art form was expansive enough for her to explore the ideas she had. The horny aspects of that work came about as a sort of safety net. At the beginning, I was just concerned that because I'm not that good of a writer, I kind of needed like porn to make my stuff notable. <laughs> but I actually really like, like I got into it like really hard and I like really like it now. I've written about hardcoded on RPS before, where I go on and on about just how wonderful it is to have a sex game that so very closely caters to me specifically. But generally, there's very little trans representation in video games at all, which makes the representation in hardcoded even more important. That's something you'll have noticed about all three of the developers I've spoken to today. Queerness is quite a big focus in the games that they make. 
Which is why, outside of sex being such a big and normal part of being human altogether, that blacklisting and deplatforming of games that deal with sex in an intimate and explicit way could ultimately be quite harmful. Robert Yang and I had a very interesting discussion about how some more intricate and nuanced aspects of the queer experience are difficult, if not impossible, to explore without exploring queer sex. People are gay or queer or bi or anything that's just not the normative, typical um, sexuality that ends up contr like controlling a lot of how you perceive the world and experience it. Although it can be, of course, be really liberating and really fun to think about how gay you are, how queer you are. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's a privilege to not be forced to think about it like that. On the surface, that may initially seem like something that kind of sucks, but Yang takes a radical reclaiming view on things. You can have several different reactions to that, right? You can say, well, I reject this entirely, right? And that's that's valid. There's some queer people who uh, identify as aromantic or asexual, right? And that's fine too. And then there's some people maybe like me who are maybe more like, if you're gonna force me to think about sexuality, I'm gonna be as sexy as I can be. Yang thinks that rather than banning sex games from storefronts and streaming platforms, companies providing these services should invest in better moderation tools, but he doesn't think that they're willing to foot the bill for it. These games are banned because these platforms don't know how to moderate it, and they don't know how to moderate it because they don't want to invest resources or people or research into thinking about how to do good moderation on their platforms. Christine Love thinks that blacklisting games that explore sex, which is such a big part of being human, is bad for everyone. She also thinks that queerness is seen as more taboo than other forms of sexual expression in games, and that this means of blacklisting of sexual content will disproportionately harm queer people, even if that's sometimes unintentional. It's both bad that we are like cutting off entire parts of what love means. I think cutting off an entire range of human experience is bad. And I think we often look at queer sex as being somehow more edgy or more subversive or more need of censorship than heterosexuality. And that's just like an assumption that like platforms like Twitch are just baking in without even realizing. Like, I don't think it's malicious. I think they're not even thinking. Kenzie Stargrifter thinks that, especially for many trans people, sexuality can be such a common means through which we come to discover and understand ourselves. And concerns over the suitability of certain games on certain platforms doesn't change how important that is. The queer representation that's been important to me has been like porn. I think especially like for trans people, that's like a really common thing where it's our like inception into the trans community or like our way of figuring out that we're trans at all is like extremely pornographic, um, that these things are like important. And like it does kind of annoy me that some places are not very welcoming to porn games. So it looks like there's a lot to consider when talking about sex games. Developers are doing a lot of new things with game mechanics that make stories easier to tell. They make use of video games as a medium to explore sexual relationships in a way that film, TV and books can't. And the frequency of queer representation in some areas of the market are incredibly important and at risk of being lost in a world that doesn't know how to deal with them properly. I think that's all tremendously interesting, but it doesn't really tell us what makes a sex game good or not. So while I had a trio of experts on hand, I wanted to hear their thoughts on that distinction. Kenzie Stargrifter thinks the most important thing is ensuring that characters in sex games are characters and not just props. 
The bar for what makes a good point game, I feel, is probably pretty low. Just, like, make your characters autonomous, make them feel like they're not just, like, there. Give the characters interests, make them characters as opposed to props. Christine Love thinks that, like any game, a good sex game needs to make you feel like an active participant. When you have sex scenes that are very passive, just like watching it happen. And I, and I don't mean in terms of like what the dynamic of like the characters are. I'm, I'm not saying that a bad sex scene is one where the protagonist is bottoming, but rather like one where you don't feel like you're taking an active role in it. Robert Yang thinks the elements that make a good sex game are pretty much the same elements that make good sex. Good sex is very much about bodies, very much about listening. And then I would say bad sex just feels really disconnected, feels contextless. It feels like it's just this random thing that's been slotted into the game and doesn't really feel like it matters. I hope that over the course of this journey of digital arousal, you've come to understand just a little better how interesting the world of sex games can be. If you're curious and want to give some sex games a go, then I have some recommendations. As well as Robert Yang's work, particularly Hurt Me Plenty in the Tea Room, Lady Killer in a Bind and Hard Coded, my favourite, are just as good as they sound. And there's also Tusks, The Orc Dating Sim by Mitch Alexander, a visual novel about a newly formed family of gay orcs that explores friendship, romance and polyamory. Those are my go-tos, anyway. But you should go on a journey and explore the vast world of sex games that are out there. Who knows, you might learn a thing or two. I guess we should nationalize Twitch or something. Yeah, I wonder which nation it would nationalize under. I think I think Jeremy Corbyn would be pretty pro nationalizing Twitch, right?